0: Monday morning with the mayor (laughs) I'm I'm Andy Brownell with News Talk 1340 C AM 96.9 FM I got to get that in first but uh, someone we haven't had a chance to talk with for quite some time because of election mechanics let's put it that way but Mayor Kim Norton has joined us this morning good morning Kim
1: good morning Andy it's great to be back after that long break
0: yeah, it has been long. Like, it's been like what, six months. I think. Right.
1: I announced in, uh, I think, the end of January and that that was when the line was drawn. So,
0: yeah, it's it's not the way I wish it was, but it is what it is. So I, I guess we have a lot of catching up to do. What other I don't than I think there's time? Well, first of all, congratulations on winning reelection before we get anywhere else. Thank you very much. Um, what have you been doing other than campaigning for the last six months?
1: Oh, there's just been so much going on. I I don't remember where we ended our conversations. I think we had won the Bloomberg grant at that point. And we subsequently um, got $750,000 from the federal government to supplement that million. So we are now in um, the design and build phase, if you will. Um, for the next three years, so we have a a, a, a job posted for someone to manage the uh, project for the next three years and then as soon as that person gets hired, they will help us hire a couple more. I think there'll be three hires with the Bloomberg money and uh, and then some of the training and has already started it, it's uh, it's exciting. Do you,
0: do, do you have actual participants yet?. Um, uh,
1: we have a few. Mostly it's been um, working through that co-design process and setting up what we want. Um, we're working with Workforce Development, uh, Benneke Construction. There are some others that have stepped forward and said we'll participate. And what that has meant is um, they go through a diversity, equity, and inclusion assessment of their business to find out, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know sometimes. And so, right, so they're being assessed and then learning about, what could they do differently and better? And then as we move women through the training, they too will have to learn about the work site. What's it like to work on a construction job, you know, on a work site and what can they expect? And and so the training is on both both ends, if you will, so that when they're together, uh, they have a good relationship and they can uh, work through any issues that pop up. So it's it's exciting. I just actually came off a presentation today uh, with the U.S. Conference of Mayors and the National League of Cities on the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, uh, bill as they call it. And uh, they're very excited about the work we're doing because it actually is necessary all across the country now with all that federal money out there. How, where are we gonna find the employees to do the jobs that all that money is sitting there ready to be spent. Do we have the employees to do it? And and across the country, the answer is no. So they're very excited about the work we're doing to recruit and get, um, in our particular instance, women, but it could be anyone. But the work that we're doing uh, to diversify the workforce is important all across the country. So very cool.
0: This particular project that's taking place here in Rochester, is this is this being tried anywhere else or is this unique?
1: Um, The the Bloomberg grant opportunity we have is rather unique. Um, I think some of the work we did up front working through that co-design process, which you hear the uh, DMC and the city talk about, really involved letting the women that will be affected make some decisions and tell us what they need um, and actually help plan what this looks like. That is unique. And so um, the Destination Medical Center team put together a booklet, which I have handed out, and every time I go speak, and I've spoken quite a bit on this this fall, and you know, as recently as three times in the last week. Um, about this subject, people say, oh, can I have a copy of the co-design book? And we have it electronically for people. So uh, I, I think unique in that we're focusing on women, BIPOC women, yes. Um, unique that people need more people in the workforce and that our diver- that our workforce should be diversified that isn't unique but it's no. necessary right the need isn't unique but uh, or the need is necessary not necessarily unique so um uh, we are i think setting a a process in place that others will be able to replicate uh to do the work they're going to need to do over the next few years to spend that get and spend that money
0: so since we talked about this 6 months ago And you've gone into this process, you have a handful of participants, people willing to be the workforce, and you have the employers interested in participating. Is there any, I guess, anxieties or concerns that either side have? Are they that that there might be shared concerns? Maybe that's what I'm trying to get at.
1: I think there is a little apprehension um, on both sides, I think. Uh, Do, can we do the job? These are non-traditional jobs. And for, you know, we're a very multicultural city, a city where some cultures, uh, women are to provide caring careers, right? So this isn't a caring career in the sense that maybe the family and the culture thinks about for women. So there's some discomfort there. From the construction side, what's it gonna be like to have more women and women of color, women with different cultural needs on the work site. But the fact is they need the employees because in Rochester, we've got the Destination Medical Center, that federal grant that we got for $20 million down on 6th Street, uh, the the um, bus rapid transit that we're putting in, and all the other projects that we're applying for and getting some federal money for, we have to have the workforce to do it. So they need the workforce. And so everyone kind of has to change on both sides. And we hope to use this money to be able to pay for education, pay for child care, um, pay for some support on site for businesses, right? So, and also, um, we're working with nonprofits in town, not just workforce development and cradle to career, but we're working with Girl Scouts on a summer camp for middle and high school girls to start thinking about these really new and exciting careers, not just jobs, right? Careers, right? In different, sometimes it's um, it's technology, it's different types of jobs than than maybe they're that we're even Familiar, the names of these jobs, I'm not even. We don't even know what they are, right? They're new and changing every day with technology. So,
0: well, especially if you, when you're talking construction, there people are leaving it I mean, retirements. I mean, yes. a lot of people who are in construction are people who got in it. They're my age, and uh, they've been uh-huh. at it now for thirty five, forty years, and it's time. <laughs> I, Lesson, I know and, I could I could name five or six people right now that I know that have retired in the last year or are going to retire in the next two years. And they're experienced people and having them leave the workforce is gonna leave some huge gaps for these companies that need these types of employees.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's changes on work sites maybe that will need to be made. Well, I know there are some changes that will need to be made. And when we've worked with the unions and they've been wonderful, you know, they have great programs already. And we're saying that's a terrific program. If you'd make this this, if you make a change in this one or two area that we've heard from the women, it could be even better. Right. So we're having to make some of those. Uh, we have those discussions, which will be ongoing for the next several years. Um, but like women don't want to be the only woman on a worksite; They want to work in a cohort. Well, that's that's maybe a change that a business you know, one of our developers, uh, Beneke Construction, is who we started with, you know, they're, they're like, well, okay, we'll take a couple on and try to keep them together so they have a support system. Um, historically, sometimes, and in, 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 you might laugh about this, but newbies on a job are always given the tough stuff, right? Oh, they're sure. Newbie. We'll give them the grunt work. We'll give them the really hard stuff. Well... If you want to keep people in con- the construction field, you maybe don't want to scare them off with that grunt work right away, right? Or they may just say, this isn't the job for me. So maybe we need to rethink sharing that <laughs> grunt work, right?
0: Uh, I'm not going to dig ditches for three months. No, or trenches or whatever it is that they get. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So well, the, the world changes, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. We already have to take a break. We'll return okay. uh, in just a moment with more with the mayor, Kim Norton, with us this morning at Rochester Today at News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Oofta, the car broke down again. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM joined by Mayor Kim Norton getting caught up again. Uh, during the break, uh, Mayor, you mentioned that you're involved or pursuing, pushing entrepreneurship issues, which... It's one of my favorite things is watching small businesses grow and thrive. It's 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 the American dream, is what it is.
1: It absolutely is. Um, I grew up in a family where my father had a bought the business from his father, right, and uh, was a a business owner. And all the, most of the kids, in fact, I think all four of us at one time or another actually worked for him, right? That was what you did. You, sure, you know, we were he was an entrepreneur, but. Uh, I took a different path. And so now I still have that that love of small businesses. And so uh, we talked earlier about the construction industry, and we certainly know that Mayo Clinic has its needs for workforce. But people sometimes want to go beyond being an employee, and they want to be an employer. They want to be self-employed. They have creative ideas that they want to do something with. And so uh, we signed up to be part of the League of Minnesota Cities, which is the National Association for Cities. We're part of the League of Minnesota Cities and then the National League of Cities. They're all the same branches of the same organization. Um, They had a track for, it's called inclusive entrepreneurship. So it's about how do you grow your ecosystem? How do you address um, inclusiveness into the entrepreneurship industries? How do you get people to deal with the child care worker crisis that we have, so all those yeah, all those issues are things that um, that that they're focusing on. We signed up for three tracks: the ecosystem track, um, the informal entrepreneurship track, which is people who kind of start that start off in their garage, right? They start some sort of little one-off business, sewing clothes or mending shoes or creating a computer or whatever, right? And yeah basement or in their garage oh, yeah.
0: cottage industry
1: yes and then they need to take it to the next level so how do we help those people really take that business stepping up and then the the child worker industry um these are all uh, these are all done with partners so ready uh the coll- collider and cradle to career are the three leads on the three different tracks and they're, they've been given um several i think fifteen thousand dollars and and we'll supplement it with a small amount in order to Move ahead in those areas this next year, so uh, that's really exciting too. So people can can work for someone else, but maybe they want to maybe they want to own a business. And how do they go yeah. about doing that? Yeah, so
0: that's, that's how it happens. That's how it happens a lot of times. You're still working full time, but in the evenings you've got the little side gig going, and next thing you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: And we need you those to fill up. Uh, you know, down da- downtown, we have seen a shift during the pandemic, yeah. um, certainly a shift of the number of people that are working downtown and that's impacting some of those businesses. We have, like every city, we have some empty storefronts and it's heartbreaking every time one of our, you know, beloved uh, businesses says, you know, downtown isn't the place for me or this, I just can't make a run of it without a lunch business or whatever. Um, but if we can get some of these people to use that creativity that they have and maybe reuse those buildings in different ways so they could have small, and we have some already along Broadway and, you know, Historic Third and some of our other streets where there's some really quaint, wonderful, um, you know, local business owners with a, a, it's not a huge business, it's a small thriving business and we want more of those. So I'm hoping we can fill up some of our storefronts in the coming year, but, But business is going to be different. We definitely know that, as you know, I mentioned, people aren't working downtown as much, but also people are working from home more. That may be the, you know, that's what's happening, whether it be two days a week, three days a week or five days a week. It's impacting our downtown and that's not going to change. And we're ordering more online. Uh, Let's face it, that pandemic did that, right?
0: It changed that dramatically dramatically.
1: It, and it doesn't seem
0: to be going away at all. It's
1: it doesn't. And so how can we be creative? We have, I mean, I really think Rochester has an advantage. We have such an innovative and creative spirit here that I think we can be ahead of the game if we we can change our mindset that just because I've done it this way before, I have to keep doing it this way. What can we do different? And some, we have some great examples of businesses who shifted their, their has, thinking during the pandemic. Has
0: there been any discussion with the city council concerning I guess, property taxes, because I know those downtown properties went up in value considerably over the last five, six, seven years. And I imagine that that, that's got to be a major hurdle, especially if you're looking at a small business to try to put a storefront in.
1: It is. And I I think uh, some people understand it and some people don't. But the city itself doesn't control property taxes it's an assessed value that the county actually is there's a county assessor's office who assesses businesses and some of it's based on formulas of income and square footage and what have you the city doesn't really control that and when a city is booming and growing we pay for it, you know, if you own a business downtown or we pay for it in our house taxes, which go sure up because we're a place people want to live and the value of property goes up. Well, that's great when you sell, right? But if you're going to live there and you don't plan on selling for a few years, it can it can hurt without question. So uh, we're we're in the positive place of being a thriving, growing city. But the negative to that is you do see an increase in property taxes and so the city council I watched them painstakingly look through the budget they're very concerned about increases to the community they're very aware of what a growing community the impact it has on people and yet we still have to provide the services in our parks in our police in our fire in our EMS in our water and sewer and light people still expect and should expect us to provide that but the more people that are here the more we have to provide. So it's a tough, it's really a tough place for the city council to be.
0: And uh, particularly the issue of the downtown vitalization issue. Is there, have there been any discussion of, I guess, innovative ideas to maybe assist these entrepreneurs cover that property? I know you can't change the property tax bill, but perhaps there'd be a way to assist them. But then again, That adds on to this expense side for the city. Exactly.
1: So yes, the city has done, um, we've changed our um, development codes to try to address some things. We have some incentives for people that do buildings where we can help reduce the cost of the permits that they get. But of course that means that the city tax dollars are paying for that, right? In order to help the businesses, right? But it still has to come from somewhere. So it's, it's a catch 22 sometimes. Um, and I do think uh, we you know I've applied for grants. The city's applied for grants. DMC's applied for grants to try to help small businesses. Sometimes we win them. sometimes we don't. Deed got several million dollars or uh, DMC got several million dollars from Deed to help businesses um, with their storefronts. they their it's about physical, physically changing their the buildings um, right. to help. so, you know, we're main, doing what we the can.
0: Main Street Program, I think. Yes, what Main Street Grants.
1: It. Yeah, they're two, we went two different rounds of that.
0: So, <laughs> no simple solutions is what you're telling me. No I, simple
1: I, solutions. This is a difficult time. And I will say, and um, I got to go to the um, a city, it's city Lab. There's a Mayor's Innovation Studio part of that. And there were 40 mayors from around the globe at the event. It was uh, one day event um, tied to City Lab, which was two more days. And uh, we're all in the same boat. None of us are escaping it. And some of the cities are fortunate in that they have jobs that can't be outsourced. So if they're more jobs where you have right. to be present, they're not they may not feel the impact quite the same way. But if they do a lot of retail, retail's affected. Right, we're middle of the road in retail, but we also have a lot of jobs that can be done at home. And so all of us are being affected in different ways and we all just have to be creative and know that we're not alone in this. And I, I know that's really hard. It's you know easy to blame someone, whether it be the mayor or the city council or someone else. Uh, it's easy to blame someone, but in fact, this is a global impact um, and we all, have to find our way through it. Yeah. Sticking together.
0: This pandemic is going to have ripple effects for maybe decades to come.
1: It certainly is it's changing, changing things. Changed. And yeah,
0: I, yeah. Yep. All right, it's already time for news, so we'll take a quick break for a, a news update and return with uh, more with Mayor Kim Norton on Rochester Today News Talk thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine FM. I'm Andy Brownell, and it is News Talk thirteen forty KROC AM and ninety six nine FM. And uh, today, I'm glad to see that we are joined again by Mayor Kim Norton after the election hiatus. <laughs> um, and we'll continue, hopefully, doing this once a month to get caught up on things happening in the city. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion in the city over the last three or four months about golf.
1: <laughs> it's been a popular topic.
0: Yes, the city has four golf courses. I don't know if that's unique for a city this size.
1: It is. It is pretty unique. Uh, four is a lot.
0: Okay, so the question—I mean, it's what we do with the future of all the golf courses. But I know a lot of the attention has been paid to Soldier's Field Golf Course, which is—I don't know—to me, it's a gem. The it's a gem. You have,
1: I'm you with have a you. a golf
0: course within walking distance of a downtown. It's Absolutely. you don't see that anywhere.
1: It's to have that much green space, feet from downtown. Actually, it's really part of downtown.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: To have that green space there is remarkable. Um, I think having a flat course. I think the course is nearing 100 years old. Um, to have a flat course that is more handicap accessible, more accessible to to senior citizens and to others is is important as well. And you know, when this discussion became the hot topic that it's been for the last year, I, I it was kind of incredulous to me that we were having a discussion to cut courses at a time we're in a pattern of growth and i i know many sports wax and wane right their interest in whether it's cross-country skiing or curling or you know right. skating Softball. or whatever right things come and go and they become you know soccer when i was a kid nobody played soccer now well, that was back in the dinosaurs room did you know um but now everybody plays soccer right so and and in 20 years from now or 30 years from now maybe no one will be playing soccer we don't know so the city has to respond to what people want of all ages. And for generations and hundreds and hundreds of years, golf has been a sport that has, you know, been played and will continue to be played. Um, But there's a population of people that that we need to think about. And it's been disappointing me to hear the ageism in this discussion. Well, it's just a bunch of old people or old white people. Well, 76% of the population of Rochester is white. A lot of the golfers that want to use soldier's field in particular are a little older, although the span of golf and that first tee programs, you know, has young kids learning to, to golf of all ge- of all genders, of all races. Um, so it's disappointing when I hear that ageism used that it's only for for older people. My argument is, so why shouldn't older people have an activity they can do? too, <laughs> Right. So we have four courses. Maybe we didn't need them when they were built, but that was a that was a discussion that should have been had at the time. I think Hadley Creek or Hadley Hadley Creek Golf Course, that was the last one that was put in. Yep,
0: that was the last one. And that was during um, the big boom of the nineties when golf exactly. was one of the most popular sports.
1: Yeah, and someone felt that was, you know, a, a necessary golf course. And we've continued to grow since then. So it just doesn't make sense to me at a time of growth to say we're gonna remove it. Um, so I've kind of, as you know, I've been a supporter of golf. I don't play golf. I always feel like I need to say that. And I, in fact, um, council Member Palmer last night, as we were discussing this and city council Meeting, was saying the same thing. I'm arguing for this, but I don't golf you know, <laughs> the same here. My family golfed. Um, I, I do. I've never golfed. I think I've never played 12 holes. So, or 12,
0: 18, but, uh, there is a, a need for the golf courses that if you're going to keep them, some money is needed because
1: after a hundred years or so, it's time. Yeah,
0: things need a little work, right?
1: <laughs> they do, and, and
0: that's what—that's kind of the focus of the discussion now, right? How to how to pay for that?
1: It we, golf is one of the few sports that people actually have to pay for, um, and it doesn't need much. Once it's there, it doesn't need much to keep it up. But we have charged enough to to. Be pretty close to maintaining it. Um, right before the pandemic, there had been a dip uh, in golf. Uh, during the pandemic, it jumped to, you know, kind of some of its prime numbers. Again, it's it's way up there. Um, but that, that doesn't surprise me. Um, but when people talk about tennis or they talk about skiing or they talk, nobody charges anyone for those. Pickleball pickleball the <laughs> the the trails, is a wonderful part you know 100, 100 miles of trails that we have we don't charge people for those but they they have upkeep too right uh when they crack or when we need more of them or we need to connect them or whatever so golf is one of the sports that we can and do charge for to maintain it and and how we were going to charge how much of an increase and how it was going to be paid for was the discussion last night at the City Council meeting and I believe you will see a combination of a levy small levy increase about $4 a year on someone's taxes and the golfers took a significant increase um, each year over the next five or six years. Um, and so it will be split between the golfers themselves and like all public amenities um, our levy.
0: And I've seen um, you, you mentioned the older people which. I qualify for that age now as well playing the sport, but I don't play, but, um, my son in his mid twenties, he and his friends, they're all avid golfers now. So I think you might, you might be seeing a younger group come in and it's, it's also their girlfriends and their wives who are playing the sport as well.
1: Exactly. I I think it is just something, something's, as I said, wax and wane and popularity. I don't think that is unusual. And, um, some of the clubhouses or some of the driveways up to the courses need some work and once they're done they don't get fixed again for 50 years right they're they're once in a almost a lifetime investment that just needs to happen but then you know at some point you get a leak in the roof or it's too small or it needs a kitchen or whatever yeah but it's very rare and it's time we've underfunded our parks department not just golf let me be clear our pickleball players want pickleball courts.
0: <laughs> Believe me, I
1: know. And and we want we want. And the city council was pretty clear: more outdoor winter activities in the parks for families as well. And the parks department heard that loud yeah. and clear.
0: When you mentioned waning, and uh, I think of softball. That our generation, uh-huh. when we were young, softball. Everybody played softball. They did. Was in a softball league, and that that kind of died out for a little while now. I think it yeah. might be coming back too, though. Exactly.
1: So. They they will come back and, you know, and we have to have, as we live longer, I think that's another thing, maybe, you know, back in our grandparents era, people didn't live quite as long as an average, the average life expectancy was more like 70 or 72. Well, that's a little scary for some of us that start getting close to 70, 72. And, you know, now it's, you know, into the eighties that our life expectancy is added 10 years just from the time, you know, I was a child and so, or you were a child. So you know, we have to have activities. We want people just sitting at home watching television all day. We need activities <laughs> for them to do.
0: It's that quality of life.
1: Totally. And yeah, this especially. community wants and demands uh, lots of the good quality services and a high quality of life. And I'm proud all that right. we're able to give it to them when we can.
0: All right. We're talking this morning with Mayor Kim Norton and we'll come back in just a moment. We'll have to take a quick break on Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service 1340 KROC AM at 96.9 FM. Andy Brownell with you, along with Mayor Kim Norton. Um, Sean Palmer was on with myself, I think, a week or two ago. He also finished his election hiatus. And he brought up that he has proposed a, well, two amendments to the charter. I think it's two. The city charter, and they affect the Parks Department and the Library And well, maybe we could just talk about that. One aspect of it, I know it would affect you directly is his proposal would change the way members of the library are appointed. And I believe as it stands now that you appoint all the members of the library board, is that correct?
1: I do, and the park board as well, and it would change the park board as well, although that's done slightly differently. So we can talk about that. So uh, his two changes, the first one is uh, he would like, and has requested the charter commission to put the staff Directors, so Paul Woodman would be for the Parks Department, and Karen Lemke, uh, who's the director of the library, under uh, the direct supervision at, uh, of our city administrator. The way the charter is written, it gives the Park Board and the Library Board kind of oversight, not just of the department, but actually in the review of the the administrator. Um, oh, okay. a, a lot more control over administrators than and and the those are the only two outliers, other than RPU. Uh, Rochester Public Utilities, um, which is a kind of an enterprise uh, of its own. Um, so the Charter Commission treats those three slightly different. And so um, I actually agree with Council Member Palmer on this. I think it is time um, our administrator has control of all the other directors in the city, but not those. And it doesn't really make sense. And our volunteer board members don't, aren't overseeing, don't see what happens on a day-to-day basis in the building and and in staff meetings, and they don't necessarily know what each of the, um, the workers are doing to know whether the director is handling things correctly, it, that, that really should fall under an administrator. So I'm, I'm generally supportive of that concept. The second part that you mentioned had to do with um, how they get appointed. The park board is appointed by ward. Uh, the library is not. And he would like those treated the same. So both the charter boards uh, and RPU is treated completely differently. So there's no consistency here. Um, All right. So he would like them both by wards. And what he would like to do is he wants as a city councilman to be able to appoint who he wants to the park board.
0: So each council member would have an appointment.
1: Yes. Um, I do object to this, and I'm hoping that the Park Board will have some, or not the Park Board, I'm sorry, the Charter Commission will have some really thorough discussion about this. I have worked very hard over the last four years to diversify our boards, to make sure that they represent the community. If you have a, um, a uh, an elected official, the seven different elected officials appointing, there's no, cons- and they all, and the bar- boards are, they're not all even at the same time. They're staggered. So depending on who's elected, one moment you may get elected and you're not going to have the authority because someone was elected the year before you got, you know, you were elected. So there's there's that issue to deal with. And there's there's no high level oversight about what that board needs. So for instance, I'm filling board positions right now across all the boards and commissions of people who have timed out or moved or Resigned, whatever.
0: Which is I a look, pretty involved process. It's though.
1: very involved. I had, uh, I think, eight interviews this morning, and tomorrow my whole day is filled. So it's, and and I'll be doing this for some time. Um, so I I look at what the staff says is needed. What skill set is needed on the board? So we ask the board. We ask the staff. What's missing on, um, for instance, on on a park board is is it someone who um, likes athletics is it someone who likes parks for their their green space and recreation is it someone who cares about fishing i mean people have different interests and the park board can say we really don't have anyone that like uses our i'm using this as an example it's not true but our our trails we'd like someone who really knows trails and utilizes our trails either for walking and biking right i can then look through all the applicants and find that person when it's just by ward and in fact this has been a huge issue on our park board i had no applicants from one ward even if someone applied i would have one choice right i and they want to go out and pick someone the other issue here is and and the discussion at the charter commission was well if i'm a more conservative voice i want to appoint someone conservative on the park board right well is that really what the park board is about, conservative and liberal? I, I hope not. I hope we don't get into that position. I hope anyone that gets appointed to that board cares about the city, is fiscally responsible, you know, has an interest beyond themselves, right, for the greater good, and it represents the community at large. So when I do it, I can say there's seven members on there. Uh, they're all men. Well, shouldn't we have a woman or a younger person or a senior citizen? I, or a person of color or you know, whatever. I can look at that and do that. When it's appointed by a ward, that would all be circumstantial and, and may completely fail. So my argument will be, please don't make a change in that part. Let me continue the work I've been doing. They, they ultimately approve it anyway. So if for some reason, they can still recommend someone to apply for the board. And I certainly hope they do. Um, I don't know how I feel about it being by ward. Right now, the park board is by ward. The music board has been by ward. The no other committees are by ward. And he would like the library by ward. I don't have strong feelings about that. I just do have strong feelings about the
0: appointment process. And that was just proposed to the Charter Commission. That has yet to come to any sort of decision.
1: Right. They're going to take, you're exactly right. They're going to take input and hold some public discussion about it in January.
0: Okay. We'll keep track of that then as it moves Absolutely.
1: forward. It'll be very interesting to see what what their discussion entails. And I know
0: over the summer I saw on social media, the, what is it, move with the mayor? Is that what you yes, call it? Yes, we that did. Telling everybody get out there and bike and run and walk and do all these things.
1: Roll, whatever you do. Yeah.
0: So how did um, that go? Because that's a competition, isn't
1: it? It's a competition, um, friendly competition. But we have, there are, there are 90 to 100 cities that participate, and there are about 40 to 50 actual move with the mayor uh, cities that participate. We keep moving up every year. We came in sixth this year. And oh, really? Wow. Um, yes. And this is competing against cities like Cincinnati and Philadelphia and Phoenix and Sacramento and you know big cities and we did really well and I will tell you what put us over the top this will surprise people but I kicked it off at 125 live it was the 125 live members that oh. put us over the top uh so go seniors that's what I say so
0: when they when you walk you track your mileage or your footsteps or whatever minutes it's minutes, minutes. minutes. minutes okay. of
1: exercise. it can even be gardening it could be you know something that Keeps you moving and active, yeah. And and the seniors participated despite we made some accommodations because they some of them weren't as competent on the computer and didn't want to mess with a computer. So we had them do it in paper and we entered it for them. And uh, but it was one twenty-five live. I'm I'm really proud of them.
0: Well, great, that's fantastic.
1: And we're going to do it again in the spring, so people yep. better start okay. getting ready.
0: <laughs> I know the last time around, we're going to bring them back to Councilmember Palmer again, and he runs marathons. Did yep. Did his training get counted in this time?
1: I don't think he does it. He feels like it's cheating. And I think, what do you <laughs> think those other cities are doing, Mr. Palmer? <laughs> Put those miles in and those minutes. Oh, I'll, still, I'll, I'll still hound him.
0: I'll razz him a little bit next time I talk <laughs> to him as well. All right. Well, Mayor, it's been fantastic connecting again. And we'll oh,
1: great to, great talk to hear again you next month.
0: Yeah, as well. And we'll talk again next month. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's Mayor Kim Norton, Rochester Mayor, on Rochester Today News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It's there. It's go-